Bob Dylan will be here for autographs after the service. Man, Eugene, thank you, brother. I love it. I love it. Praise the Lord. Um, well, welcome, man. Um, you know, uh, as as Jackie was speaking, and actually as Matthew was was praying <clears throat> and even talking about his own um, legacy uh, being brought up by believers, um, Christian parents, today uh, you may not actually have that legacy in your life. You may not have a mother and a father that raised you in the church, in the Lord, in faith. Um, but you know what? That legacy can start with you today. Today. That when you have your kids or the kids that you have now, you can raise them up with that legacy. You can be the beginning of that legacy. I just want to encourage you in that. Because that's not always the case, right? That's not always the case. And that fits in line with where we're going to go today. And what we're going to talk about today. We've been on a series, just started last week, called In the Line of the King. And we started with the story of, of Naomi and Ruth, both widowed women, one aged, one young. And they were at a crossroads in life. Both of them were at a crossroads in life. And one clung to the other. And at that moment, they both decided to invest themselves in each other. And as a result of that investment, something happened that neither one of them could see. As a result of that sharpening one another, as a result of that mentor-mentee, as the result of coming around the other, something miraculous happened. And when we look in the end of the book of Ruth, the very last sentences, we find those same sentences in the very beginning of Matthew. There are a list of names. And it's not just an ancestry, it's not just a lineage, it's not just biological donors. These were a moment in history that brought the King of Kings right here to earth to dwell among us. And neither one, neither Naomi nor Ruth, understood the implications, the eternal implications of that coming around one another. And I left you with some very realistic and inten intentional applications. We need to intentionally invest in others, whether they are young, whether they are old. We need to intentionally invest in others. We, you and I, personally need sharpened. The Christian journey is not meant to be done alone. And if you argue that you can be 
a believer outside of the context of the body, then you're sorely mistaken and you're deceived. We need one another to sharpen one another. We need one another to grow one another. We need one another when we're just flat out on the floor, laid out from life. We need other people to pick us up. And that's what Naomi and Ruth were for one another. They were both laid out flat, hit by a Mack truck, grieving and depressed in dealing with life. And as we sing, it is well with my soul, folks, you can be well with your soul even with your circumstances just completely feeling like hell. We need to understand that and take that in. And so, before we jump into the, the scriptures, I just, I just want to pray. Because that's what we do. That's who we are. Heavenly Father, for the next however long, I ask that we tune ourselves into you. Not, not me. It's, it's not me. It's you. Help us tune ourselves into the voice of God, into the verses that are your words. Tune us into the principles that you've laid out very clearly in your word. And Father, may we take it in and not just nod our head, but apply it to our life, our world, and the people around us. May our faith meet the road. It's in your name that we ask today. Amen. If you would, um, these are the, the scriptures uh, that we're going to jump into. And actually, it should be uh, 1 Samuel 1 through 7. Uh, I am not reading the entirety of those seven chapters, so don't worry. It's not going to be that long and boring. Um, but it's a really, really good text. Um, so these are for your reference, and I would suggest actually um, writing these down. And after today, after this moment, when you come, come down to this evening and um, it's quiet, go ahead and jump in the text, jump in the scripture, and let, let it wash over you, and let it teach you. Um, so 1 Samuel 1 through 7, John 20, 21, and Matthew 28, 18. I had referenced last week, Samuel, this young boy, uh, and I mentioned his story, briefly mentioned his story. Samuel is a, is a product um, of intentional investment by a priest, by Eli, who served in the house of the Lord in, Sh in Shiloh. But yet he was also a product of a barren woman who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed to have a child, that God would open her womb. And God did, in fact, open her womb. But in that prayer, she told the Lord, you open my womb, I will dedicate my son or my child to you. And so he opened her womb, and she dedicated her child to the Lord. Actually, in fact, she and her husband, Elkanah. Um, once Samuel was weaned, 
they dedicated him at the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And they handed Samuel over to Eli to care and to minister to him. And it's very interesting, the story that we find in the, just the first three chapters of Samuel. And so today, we're just going to pull out some very basic, simple things about Samuel. And there's some lessons that we have, not only in our life, but we're going to continue as a church. And there's a lesson in the end that, that applies to all of us as a body of Christ. And so if you would, open up to 1 Samuel. And we are going to concentrate in the first few chapters. 1 Samuel, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then 1 Samuel. So it's on the left side of your Bible. That's the way I look at it. It's on the front end of your Bible. So if you would, open up there. And the story is that they handed over Samuel. And she didn't just leave him there. Samuel's mother continued to come back year after year, and probably more often than that, but the scripture doesn't tell us that. And she saw her son, she made a robe for her son, but see, the scripture says that the boy ministered. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. The boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Eli took Samuel. And reared him up. He reared him up and taught him. 1 Samuel chapter eight, 2 verse 18. It says this. And this is really interesting. I just caught this just the other day. It said, but Samuel was ministering before the Lord. A boy wearing a linen ephod. We had a discussion about an ephod on Wednesday night. And I won't go into that discussion about the ephod. Well, when I first came to Scripture, I thought the ephod was a, a cod piece. I had no idea what an ephod was. But as I researched Scripture, the ephod is very key and central to ministering before the Lord. It's not a cod piece at all. It's actually a breastplate. We see that in the Catholic Church, and even in, in very liturgical churches, they wear particular gear and, and don particular robes and things of that nature. That's essentially what the priests would wear. They had a specific gear that they would wear as they worshiped the Lord in His presence. But it's very odd. It said, Samuel was ministering before the Lord. A boy wearing a linen ephod. He... A boy was wearing priestly gear and therefore doing priestly duties. Now, I don't know about you, I've never been to a church that allowed a boy or a young lady to stand and preach a sermon. Anybody been there? Because I want to go to that church. That sounds pretty interesting. Folks, basically, Eli was handing over and equipping and teaching and rearing up Samuel as a young man, as a boy, to do priestly duties within the context of the house of the Lord. 
continue a little further with me. As a result, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 26, what happens to Samuel? What happens to this young boy? As Eli comes around and says, I'm going to sharpen you. I'm going to raise you up. You are going to minister just as I am ministering. Ministry isn't just for the aged. Ministry isn't just for the trained. Ministry isn't just for the seminarian. It's all of us. And what happens? He grows up in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord. I, Amy and I were on vacation a few weeks ago. And... Uh, um, I made it a point, my buddy, Big Don, 6'7", I worked with Big Don. I met him fresh out of of college in 1999 at a baseball field, uh, May of 99. Big, tall dude, very, very lanky. You'd think he played basketball, and he did. Always had that question. And from that moment, Don, Don and I clicked. There was something about Big Don and myself, and we were just nuts. Um... But we clicked in such a manner that I kind of took on his teaching. He taught me. He reared me in the Lord a lot. As a fresh kid out of college, not knowing a whole bunch of anything, he said, go on. We're going to rear you up in youth ministry. I had no idea what youth ministry was when I first started in youth ministry. But that relationship continued to sharpen over the years, and Don and I not only were mentor and mentee, but we were just peer-to-peer iron sharpening iron. And a lot of who I am today is because Big Don invested in me. And so I went, I went Amy and I went to his church. Uh, he's a family pastor, which means he's responsible for the children's ministry, youth ministry, and young adult ministry. That's a lot of ministry for one guy, right? And we went to his church, and after the service... Um, he and his wife, Tony, and, and Amy and I were standing there just kind of like, like it would be like right here, over there. It would be right here. And uh, a chubby, freckled face, seventh grader, came up to Big Don. And you can just kind of see this kind of deal going down. And, and Don introduced me to him. He said, this is Blake. His full name is Blake Kane really cool name like should be in Mortal Kombat or like like this like dark magic magician dude Blake Kane appearing no and this little kid just gave this this seventh grader gave Don a high five and Don introduced him and then the seventh grader just kind of walked off and he said let me tell you about Blake we asked him to serve at the soundboard hi Michael we asked him to serve at the soundboard. His face lit up. And so the week later, Blake's parents came up to Don and said, Don, I want to tell you something. When you asked him to serve at the soundboard, you know what he did that day? He went home, and the rest of the day, he was on YouTube researching how to do lights, how to do soundboard, everything. He was up 
late, we had to take him off the computer. He was that excited about serving at the soundboard. And Blake, when he had come down, he had come down from the soundboard. While Don was telling me this story, another young lady comes up, and I do not remember her name. He said, this is such and such. And I gave her a high five. And she was a senior in high school. And he said, you know what? She, she is creative. She actually, during services sometimes, she'll paint and draw. As we're worshiping and as we're preaching or praying, she'll draw these biblical images. And they're beautiful. He said, that's not the impressive thing. She's a prayer warrior. She leads prayer. Not just with teenagers. Not just with junior hires. She leads prayer with adults. And he looked at me and he said, that's iron sharpening iron. That's raising up and rearing up the church. And I asked you the question last week. And hopefully this question has been ringing in your ears. How can... Wapak Naz outlive us. What can we do? What can you do to make Wapak Naz outlive and exceed what is happening today? Not just maintain. Because the church is not about maintenance, folks. How can it expand its capacity in the community? How can it roll up its sleeves in people's lives? Guess what? Samuel wore a linen ephod. Blake was at the soundboard. This young lady was leading prayer. Samuel was a product of intentional investment. And, as you can see on the scripture on the screen, he grew up in the presence of the Lord. The boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. This same text, referring to Samuel, that he grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and men, is the same scripture with an added text, or added word, all the way in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, referencing Jesus. That Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and men. What do we call our elementary program upstairs? Anybody know what we call our elementary program upstairs? Anybody that's not a parent? Anybody that's not a kid that works up there? Pier 252. Because we want to grow this congregation, particularly kids, but the congregation in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and others. It's really interesting in the life of Samuel, as he grew in the presence of the Lord. In fact, Samuel himself not only grew in the presence of the Lord, he slept in the presence of the Lord. His bed in chapter 3. It says that Samuel slept in the temple. 
the tent of meeting, right near the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of the Lord was. And as he lay in bed, he still had yet to understand the voice of God. Eli. Eli was the one that taught Samuel to understand the voice of God. It says the boy Samuel, Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. This happens, that, that scripture, I'm not just that text, that sentence is repeated in Samuel's life. He ministered before the Lord. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It was the Lord calling Samuel. That was the first time he understood the voice of God. Moms, dads, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, friends. You have young people in your life. You also have new believers in your life. And they may not be so young. Are you teaching them? understand the voice of God to distinguish the voice of God between your voice the pastor's voice other people's voices in their life are you teaching them what the voice of God sounds like we just had a conversation right before Sunday school Someone said, man, I wish God would speak audibly to me like he did in the Old Testament. And in fact, I was already, compre- I was already contemplating this, this idea for this sermon. And I looked at this person and I said, you know what? Sometimes we may not hear the voice of God. More than likely, folks, it's not going to be the audible voice, right? Like you're hearing my voice. It's that still quiet voice in your spirit, but sometimes you may not hear the voice of God, but you've got the voice of God in the verses of Scripture. Let me repeat that. You may not hear the voice of God, but you have His voice in the verses of Scripture. In Scripture. In the verses. His voice is already in the verse. James says, don't merely hear the word, But what? This is new for us. Don't merely hear, but do. I'd like for you to repeat this with me. Hear and do the word. Will you do that with me? One, two, three. Hear and do the word. We often hear the word, but we very rarely figure out what to do with it. We got to do the word. Eli It's teaching Samuel to do the word. It said that the Lord was with Samuel. Chapter 3, verse 19 to the first one. It says the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. As he grew up and let none of his words fall. What that means is, if you're kind of thick like me, what does that mean? That Samuel took God's word and kept it in his heart. Meditate on it. 
Think about it. Pray it. And notice, this is really important. What I have in white, all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. As this boy with the linen ephod grew up, and people came to the house of the Lord on a yearly basis and maybe even on a weekly basis, this little boy was ministering to these older folks, these families, and they got to know Samuel. They got to know this boy. They got to see this boy. They watched him minister to the Lord. And as a result of that, his influence just spread. It just spread all over. When it says Dan to Beersheba, you may not even know, be able to pick that out on an ancient map. But that's basically saying north to south. Dan to Beersheba. That was the influence of Samuel. Why? Because somebody intentionally invested in him. And it wasn't just the church, folks. It was the family. Who was the one? Who were the two people that brought him to the, the body of Christ, or brought him to the temple? It was his mother and his father. Now somebody, some of you, may not have mom and dad in your life, but you have somebody that's intentionally investing in you and bringing you in. Praise the Lord for that. You're the beginning of the legacy. You. But it's really interesting. And this is the lesson that we have as a body of Christ. Chap it should be chapter 7. Forgive me, I, I mistyped it. Chapter 7, verse 15 and 17. This is great. This is Bible nerdish, dude, right here. This is awesome. It says, Samuel continued to judge over Israel. He was so influential and that he adhered to the word, the, the word of the Lord that the Lord actually put him in a position as judge. And this isn't like Judge Judy. We talked about this also on, on Wednesday night. It's not like Judge Judy with the little frilly patty things on her like nice little robe. It's not necessarily like that. In the time of Israel, when there were no kings... There were judges, such as Deborah, such as Samson, and, and, and Gideon. These people were either spiritual leaders, or they were military leaders, or they were both. And they dealt with civil and spiritual issues within communities. They were in positions of power and influence. And God put Samuel, because he was intentionally invested in, by someone, and he put him in the role of a judge over all of Israel. But notice what it says, from year to year. This is when Samuel was an old man, probably in his 60s. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel in all of those places. But he always went back to Ramah where his home was. And there he also judged Israel. And he built an altar there to the Lord. If we were to read that in our devotion, 
we wouldn't think twice about it. We'd run right past it. Let me ask you a question. This is not rhetorical. You can answer. Because we really want you to answer. Where wasn't Samuel in this scripture? Where wasn't he? Where's he been when he was growing up? In the house of the Lord. Where wasn't he? Oh, wow. Did you catch that? Where was he? Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah. He was riding on his horse. Maybe. He was the first Methodist circuit rider, I guess. I don't know. Maybe a donkey at the time. He was going from town to town. As you continue to read in the story of Samuel, Samuel was given the privilege to anoint kings. Israel had their first king under Samuel. And when I mean anoint, I literally mean pour oil on their head, but also put them in position of power and kingship. He kinged them. He kinged Saul and he kinged David. And he unkinged Saul. Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord because somebody intentionally invested in him. And he did his work not only in the house of the Lord, but outside of the house of the Lord. He met David at David's house. He went knocking on Jesse's door saying, hey, can I see your sons? And they all were lined up. And we'll talk more about this in a couple weeks. And they're all lined up. None of these are the king. You got any more kids? Yeah, he's out there with the sheep. Samuel went to the house of the people. He was in the community. He went outside the house of the Lord. This is the lesson one of the lessons that we pull from Samuel's life. First, we need to intentionally invest in those that are around us, that are within the body of Christ. But the other thing is that not only do we need to invest and equip them, we need to unleash them. Folks, the ministry happens outside of the church, and it should be happening outside of the church more than it is happening on the inside of the church. Jesus Christ said, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. He said this at a very pivotal moment. He had died on the cross, he was buried in the ground, and he rose from the dead. And it was that same night that he rose from the dead that he walked through walls to a group of disciples with their tails between their legs, fearful that what, was going to, that what happened to Jesus Christ was going to happen to them. They were missing Judas because he'd offed himself, and they were missing Thomas because he was doubting everything that happened. And Jesus came in, and said, peace be with you. And he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then, at that same moment, he said, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Forty-two times in the New Testament, it says that Jesus was sent. He was the sent one. Samuel went because he understood this concept that God is on mission. 
He is on mission to bring salvation and redemption and life to every human being. Vince Lombardi. That classic coach of NFL fame. By the way, this is not a political statement, okay? Because I know there's a lot of crap surrounding the NFL. And just because today's the first day, it just all worked out, okay? At the very beginning of every season, Vince Lombardi would stand before his players and he would hold up a football. And he would say, This is a football. Sounds a little ridiculous, doesn't it? Like, duh. Think about the crowd that he's talking to, right? These are men who've been playing the game of football since they were boys. They've seen a football. They've thrown it. They've caught it. They've felt it. But Vince Lombardi understood the fact that he had to go back to the basics with his boys, with his team. This is a football. You protect it. You carry it. You keep your eye on it. If you lose it, you get it back. You are to advance this ball. That's what Vince was getting to. Folks, this is church. Church was formed to advance the mission. Not forget about it. The church is to carry the mission forward, not sit on it, not lose it. We are to keep our eye on the mission of redemption and salvation and the lives that God wants to enter in. And that means everybody. The church wasn't formed for no reason. It was formed for the mission, not the mission for the church. The fact is, if there is not movement of the mission, then we as Christians are imposters. Let me say that again. If there is not movement in the mission, then we're imposters. Jesus said, go, not stay, and make, don't just hear it, do it. There is mission about our life, there is purpose about our life. The church was created to advance the mission of what God originally intends. I love that sound.
This is a football. This is a church. You. As Samuel went from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah and came back home, he was a homebody. Right? That was his ground zero. So we have Bethels and Gilgals and Mizpahs in our own life. What are those places that are Bethels and Gilgals and Mizpahs in your life? Where are you to be salt, light, and yeast? To be that active agent? Folks, we got to remember the mission. Samuel was intentionally invested in by his parents. And man, we're going to talk about that at the very end of the month on Family Sunday. He was really intentionally invested in by his parents, but also by the church. So that, take off. Take off. As we move forward as a body of Christ, we are to disciple and we are to equip and we are to unleash you. Today, you're unleashed. Go and make. So, I always think and try to think in action steps, and hopefully you've been processing the scriptures today in reference to how can I how can I make this alive in my life? And I may have be repeating some things up here, but I repeat them because they're important. <coughs> this is where some things can happen in your life. If you want to get sharpened and you want to sharpen someone, there's ways to do that. Very simply, to get sharp, you can invest eight weeks of your life which ends up being eight hours maybe give or take in an eight-week bible study man i don't know anything about scripture i don't really know a whole lot about christ and i don't know anything about christianity this is a place to begin sunday school right over here nine o'clock there's a lot of wisdom there's probably like almost a thousand years of wisdom right over there <laughs> waiting for you to get poured into from 1,038 maybe um, digging deeper it's life group on steroids right here every Wednesday night you get into small little clusters you don't have to say anything if you don't want to but you get prayed over and we talk about scripture life group starts tonight Tonight at the halls at 6.30, tomorrow night uh, at 6 o'clock in the basement of Winans. It's the Ambrose basement. It's not the Winans basement. It's the Ambrose basement. Come through the back door. We're not try trying to make a buck off of you. That's not why we're doing this. Thursday morning at 10 o'clock, same basement. Come through the back door. Core, if you're a teenager and you're a senior in senior high, 9 through 12, core is for you. Engage, Wednesday nights, 
Man, that's for junior hires and high schoolers. You get to engage with Christ, with God, with culture, with one another. It's an awesome moment. Peer-to-peer mentors. I'm a product of somebody intentionally investing in me, and there are other people intentionally investing in me right now. And I'm doing my best to find those to intentionally invest in. We need it. You need it. Last but not least, live sent. Jesus Christ had the mentality of being sent. When you go to work, when you go to Walmart, when you go and pay your bill, or many of you do that online now these days, what am I talking about? That's 2000, right? Um, When you go, wherever you go, you go, as you go, you make disciples. As you walk out these doors, we need to flip the switch, folks. I am being sent. I am on mission. When I go to junior high, and I go in the hallways, and I have lunch, and I sit with my friends, when I'm in class, when I go into senior high, and I'm walking, and I'm being really, really cool, I am sent. When I go to work, and I push the button, and my back's hurting, my feet are hurting, I am sent. You are sent, folks. Flip that switch. Be salt, light, and yeast. Be active. Will you please stand? Just bow your head for a second. Imagine a football right now in your head. Imagine a football. Just imagine a football. Imagine the word mission on that football. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to carry it across the line. You're going to protect it. You're going to advance it. Advance the mission. Advance the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, we are sent. If our lives don't reflect that, today, right now, we adjust that. We adjust that in the name of Christ, name of of the kingdom of God. We are sent. Will you empower us, equip us from young to old? to do the work of God where we are. To be intentional, to invest, bring people into our life that will sharpen us and invest in us. May you help us see that and will you put us into other people's lives and bring us into their world that we may intentionally invest in them because the payout is immense, Lord. You know the payout. 
love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we ask today. Amen. Will you uh, please love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength? Will you also love your neighbor as yourself? Live sent this week. We love you. See you tonight at 5. <laughs>